the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There are times we come to God and we don't get God because we don't understand God because we impose on God our own hang-ups. David is doing this in honest prayer and song to God. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock, but we would love to see you there. And we will have details on that as we continue on with today's program. You can also watch the broadcast live, streaming at reachinghearts.org slash video every Saturday at 11. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Well, welcome to Reaching Your Heart, and thank you so much for joining us on this Easter weekend. Today's broadcast is the conclusion of Pastor Mike's message entitled, Thank God. And we hope that you enjoy it. Remember, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. When you seek evil for other people in your life, that evil will come back on you. You can be dark. You can be a dark person in your life. Don't be. When you forgive from your heart the person who pursues you, the person who insults you, the person who treats you wrong, the person you may perceive doesn't care about you, they may in fact do. I don't know. Friend, God forgives you. Don't you think it's a good thing to take that forgiveness and throw it at your enemy every now and then? To love the person who's hard in your life so that God's glory, God's love can shine out through you. It's hard to figure out when you're hiding for your life and trying to stay alive like David was. It's hard to come to grips with the proper understanding of God's character when you want to dish out your own version of justice on your well-deserved enemies. Friend, God allowed David to experience a huge amount of injustice in his life so that David would come to the point in his life when he stopped fighting for his rights. So wait a second, Pastor Mike. What do you mean stop fighting for your rights? I said exactly what I meant. Isn't it more important to fight for God's righteousness? To declare the glory of God in the earth. Rather than talk about what I want out of this, that, and everything else. To be a self-centered person seeking their own outcomes in life. David has to shift in this prayer from a focus about him to a focus about God and a love for others. You see, sometimes we fight for what we think is right. We're really just fighting for our own ego. This world is full of evil. If you hold on to the little and large grudges of life, the evil you despise in others holds on to you in a twisted kind of way so that it makes you evil too. The only person who can really live with a free heart is the person who forgives everyone and who relies on God's mercy to sift through the injustices of life with the love of God. So how does this song about anger and injustice end in verse 17? How does David come to grips with the kush? 
the Cush, the dark one, probably Saul, the hateful Benjamite who had pursued him to kill him. How does David process it all psychologically and relinquish control over these things so that he can experience life as a free man with God, not governed by what others do to him? In verse 17, David comes to the point in his life when David figures out that life is not about his enemies. Did you hear me? David comes to the point in his life where he figures out that his life is not defined by who his enemies are. Life is about God and his righteousness and his mercy. It doesn't matter how hard your life is because of others. You're not a victim. If you have a relationship with God, you're not a victim. It doesn't matter how hateful others are to you or have been. You're not a victim. Now, I say this. In my life journey, I grew up in Appalachia. I grew up in poverty. I know what it's like to be hungry in this country. I know what it's like to experience all kinds of evil intent as a young person. It is a miracle of God that I don't live where I came from. I still carry the memories of it to this day. If I allowed it to govern who I am, I would be the most negative, depressing person alive. From time to time, a memory of injustice in the past can grip you, and it can throw you into that negativity, and my godly life will say, Mike, quit pouting. Is that a good thing to say? It is. Because God has called us to an optimistic, buoyant thankfulness in our hearts. So it doesn't matter how unjust your journey is. It doesn't matter how black the face of the enemy who pursues you or anything else. If he's cush like Saul the Benjamite, God allows no person to respond in hatred to another for the cause of Christ. Am I right? For 16 verses, David dwells on all that messy stuff in his life. The light of God's power to judge evil. But in verse 17, David switches gears. He figures out that David is the problem. It's not the one who's pursuing him. It's him. That we are our own worst enemies. That we are the place where God's spirit must settle and change. That love starts in my heart, not somebody else's. In verse 17, David finally recognized that darkness only lifts in the life when you honor God with a thankful heart full of praise. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how dark your foe. It doesn't matter how bleak your moments. Start counting those blessings that you have because God is worthy of thanks and praise in your life. Alphonse Carr once said, Some people are always grumbling because roses have thorns. I am thankful that thorns have roses. David's darkness turns to light in his life when he comes to recognize that God is worthy of thanks and praise in spite of Cush the Benjamite. And besides, because of Cush, he wrote the song that we are now contemplating here that helped him process the righteousness of God, his own desire for revenge in the light of God's mercy and patience. Psalm 7 verse 17 is the last verse of the psalm. It is the point in which David gets it. He says, I will give to the Lord the thanks due his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. That's how the psalm ends. It doesn't sit in with more whining or complaining. It ends with that. When we come to God honestly with our struggles, we come to God with how we can't figure out what's going on around us in the world that's unjust on every side. And we come to God with our anger even. And honesty and prayer, God processes it with us. He legitimizes us as no one can. And God sets us free from us 
to know God, to know the love, the acceptance, the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That's how the psalm ends. It begins with a man named Cush, the Benjamite who's likely Saul, who hates David, who's overcome with darkness and evil, and it ends with a thankful heart to God, giving praise to God in a song inspired by Cush, by his enemy. This beautiful song arises to God. The Hebrew word for praise means to shoot at a target. It's the root word for the Torah, the law of God. There is one target in life worthy of our praise, and thank God that God is the target, the rightful target of our praise. We don't need to shoot our enemies. We need to shoot our praises up to God and thank him. It's one thing to praise God in speech. It's a better thing to sing praises to his name. In the Bible, God's name is God's law, and God's character is embedded in his law. When you praise his name, you're saying, I like the Ten Commandments. I like the fact that they say God is love and we should love our neighbors, ourselves. And that means the Samaritan that I don't necessarily like. I like the character of God. Even though it's contrary to my character, I praise his name, his righteousness. And by so doing, we are changed. Where the problem resides, the cure comes. Because we need God, not us, to know the way. When we come to the point in our lives, we realize that God is in control of it all for the good outcome that we need. If we love him, then and only then can we let go of our sword, our bent bow, our insistence on our own rights, throwing our arrows. And then we can rely on his justice and his mercy for us and the one who pursues us in life. David learned that we all need to let go of playing God and let God be God so we can be free and happy and thankful believers in his name. This last Sunday, we had a loss in our family that happened so suddenly and without warning. It was unfair. It was unjust. It hit me suddenly out of the blue like a brick over my head. I was visiting a home Saturday evening when I got a call on my cell phone. I don't often take calls when I'm in other people's homes, but I felt impressed to do this. And I turned out to be a very nice lady. I'd heard her in the past. Our cat had come to the back of her patio a few years ago, and she called to say, Is this your cat, Ginger? I said, Yes, oh, come get her. We did. We have a little tag. In fact, we go to the pet store. You can put the name of the cat and you can put the telephone numbers. We've used that. It's helped us to find our animals before. It turned out to be that very nice lady on the other side who said that before. And we've had many animals over the years, and our last animal is still alive, Ginger, our last animal, our cat. She had come into our lives as an orange-yellow tabby cat that needed a home. We had a friend who had a heart condition, so we adopted the cat. Actually, my wife adopted the cat. She said, honey, we have a new family member. I said, really? She says, yes, a cat. I said, oh, good. She adopted the cat. Now, I've never really liked cats. How many of you like dogs? Raise your hand high, as many as we will. We need a little solidarity. How many of you like cats? We will have no wars going on here today, okay? How many of you like both animals? Well, I've come in the dog camp most of my life. I have never really liked cats, with the exception of Hunter, that acted more like a dog than a cat. I had a cat that, I tell you, it had a dog soul in him. Sit there, and if he could bark, he'd bark. He would talk to you. He'd put his head so you could pat him on the head. He almost barked, I felt, but he didn't. But he would if he could. I loved Hunter. Ginger was no exception to this hard and fast rule that I didn't like cats. When she came, I didn't like her. 
This is a confessional. We don't have any priests around here. I'm not trying to do the wrong thing. Ginger the cat stayed in her house because my wife loved Ginger the cat and I love my wife. Now that's an interesting equation, isn't it? Do the emotional math with me. Diana, my sweetheart wife, she's listening online. You hear that, honey? Diana, my sweetheart wife, plus the cat I don't like, equals the cat that stays at my house because of my wife, Diana. That's emotional math. And that's the math function that works in my house. It's good calculus. Ginger liked Diana a whole heap. She loved Diana. She would sleep at the foot of our bed right where her feet are. But Ginger didn't like me at the least. At night, she'd take her little claws and kind of like whack me every now and then. And then I said, you know, get that cat off of our bed. I love my little daughter. She's not your daughter. It's your cat. Now, over the years, one by one, our pets whittled down by death and illness and Smokey went away because we couldn't take care of him anymore. Until Ginger was the last cat standing. I buried Harley just last year right behind the church. Ginger was a free spirit kind of cat that didn't like being trapped inside her house unless it was cold outside. I mean, you want misery for this cat? Just make her stay in the house. Kind of like my wife, by the way, who loves to travel. If she could travel and go somewhere around the world, she'd go tomorrow. Let's go to China. Let's go to Cambodia. Let's go. I said, honey, I get nervous just going. Let's go. Ginger was like her. She was also a street-savvy cat and that knew how to watch the cars and how to make no foolish moves suddenly in the street. I mean, this cat was careful, would not just jump in the street. So it was safe to let her out. Being street-savvy was not the only kind of savvy Ginger had. Ginger had a network of homes that put a dish out for her as she milled about the broader circle of her friends begging for food outside our house. You know, we bought that cat expensive cat food. My wife's very particular. Buy my cat the kind of food without those contaminants, without this and that, with probiotics in it. That's expensive cat food. Well, we bought that kind of cat food for Ginger. But Ginger liked the neighbor's simple old meow mix better than the good stuff we bought that was healthy cat food. My next-door neighbor, who was a Capitol Police officer, is retired now. He always looked at me a little funny. He would set a dish out for the cat. He looked at me like, how are you doing, Mike? And I could tell he was thinking, why don't you feed your cat? My wife one day went over to his house and explained to him, my husband really does love the cat, which was kind of a struggle to say, I guess. And he feeds it. If you just saw how he treats the cat inside the house, he didn't believe a word of it. He thought I treated the cat badly because he came to his house for food. She wouldn't drink water out of a dish. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. She wanted to drink the water right out of the place where we drink the water and finally had to give in or the thing wouldn't drink water in the house. When my closet fell down a few years ago, I built it back out of wood and sturdy stuff. And right where I put my t-shirts and the like, underwear, Ginger found her bed. 
So whenever I go to my closet, very often Ginger's up there looking at me. I'm sleeping right here, putting my fur all over the things. I've had allergy tests. They tell me I'm partially allergic to cats. So I've lived with this allergy a long time. Probably I'm over it for the most part. Ginger, yeah. I took note of the fact recently that Ginger liked to just climb up on my legs and lie down between my legs and my easy chair as I wrote my sermon every Friday. She thinks I love her. And I love my wife. What's the equation? Love my wife. Don't love the cat. I have to love the cat. All right. It became a ritual event for me. Ginger would sleep and do the cat snore as she clawed me just a little bit in her sleep with tender claws of kindness and affection. I have the marks on my leg to prove it. And one day as I was sitting in my easy chair, and she was sleeping and snoring, I think they call it purring, she suddenly was awakened in a panic with her claws extended like a wolverine. Like this. She woke up. In fear of a foe she did not know, she lashed out and sliced my hands up so that the blood flowed free down the wound and pain set in. Ah! I shouted back, Ginger! Diana was there. She said, what did you say and do to my cat? I said, what do you mean? I held my hands up with all the blood flowing down. Look at what your cat did to me. She said, what did you do to my cat? I could get nowhere. That cat could do nothing wrong in my wife's eyes. That was not justice for me. I'll tell you that right now. It was not just. For a long time, it was her cat and my problem. That's our life. At our house. What do you mean? Diana would always say to me, a righteous man takes care of his animals, honey. You're a righteous man. I'm so grateful I married a righteous man. Ugh. I didn't feel like a righteous man with Ginger whose right to life was only my wife's love for her. That cat caused some severe damage to our house that cost us a lot of money to repair. You know, I'm the one who does the bills and writes the checks, and my wife spends less than I do, I have to confess, but still, I kind of hold the role of holding the finances together. I am still fixing the problems of her house that that cat caused. I had to rebuild the stair steps because Ginger left her drops on the wood of the floor that have odor, and a good friend recommended me, he says, when that problem begins with a cat, it's your duty to put the cat down. A friend said that to me. Well... I couldn't bring myself to do it. Diana had worked on me so long over the years. I just couldn't do it. I promised Diana the very next time she messes up, probation closes and we're going to have to put the cat down. The idea was don't let her mess up, right? Ginger messed up a number of times after that and we never put the cat down. How does 1 Corinthians 13, 13 go? So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is... Love. Oh my. Ugh. I figured out that I could fix the stairs, but I couldn't fix Ginger if I put her down. And I couldn't fix the hole in my wife's heart if I let her go. I guess that means I came to love Ginger by degree. You know, circuitous. It even makes me feel funny saying it. I came to love that cat. I cringe a little bit, but I did. I actually found myself having affection for this cat. A lot, in fact. I figured out that I couldn't easily fix the vacuum in our lives if she went away, and she had become a part of our family. In time, I came to love that little yellow-orange tabby as my wife worked on me to love it a little better every day. I would let Ginger sit between my legs and purr as I prepared my sermon every week, whether she scratched me or not. Last Saturday, after I finished preaching my sermon, 
I received the call that suddenly ended my journey with Ginger. The kind lady on the other side said, Are you the owner of a cat named Ginger? I answered, Yes. She said, Ginger is dead. She was hit by a car. And I will pick her up and put her in a bag so you can come to my house and take her to your home. I was heartbroken when I heard this message. I was heartbroken. I guess I'm not that hard against the cat after all, right? I said, I'll be right there in about 15 minutes. So I had the prayer at my friend's home, and I quickly left. When I finally arrived at the house, the kind young lady handed me the heavy bag and the box with ginger inside of it. I never thought ginger was heavy until that day. It was a heavy box. I couldn't explain it. She had lovingly wrapped ginger up for me to take her home. As we talked together with Ginger in my arms in that bag and box, she said, I saw the cat falling on the side of the road near the curb. It takes a lot of effort to strike down the cat near the curb. She was getting at something. Usually someone has to go out of their way to do this. Remember, Ginger was street savvy. She said, there are ugly people in this world, aren't there? And I thought to myself, it's not fair and it's not just, is it? I agreed that the world has those kind of sick people in it who go out of their way to pursue the innocent, to strike them down, or to pursue people who struggle in life in any capacity, like Cush the Benjamite who wanted to kill David. I was angry about the injustice of the whole day, and I held it back so I could pray for my kind neighbor who needed a prayer because she was shaken up by the injustice of the day. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. I just know that Ginger was dead. When I called Diane on the phone that evening, my wonderful wife immediately did her best to make me feel okay. I tend to blame myself. You ever blame yourself when things go wrong in life? I tend to blame myself. She said, honey, don't blame yourself for letting the cat go out. Ginger was a free spirit, and she would have been miserable inside the house. She died being a free spirit. So don't be hard on yourself for letting the cat go out of the house. Now, I focus on the phrase, letting the cat go out of the house. I'm the one who let the cat go out of the house. That evening, I buried Ginger in the woods of our church. And as I buried her, I thought of her little life and how meaningful it was for all our lives in our home. It's amazing how we can have something and we can view it as a problem in our lives when it's really a blessing. I guess I didn't recognize a little angel in my house fully until I lost the little angel that we had. I want to be saved in the end. How many of you want to be saved? I want to be saved. I want Ginger to be saved. I mean, these preachers say, yeah, your cats can't be saved. Nonsense. I want Ginger to be saved. I believe in a resurrection of the just and their pets too. My furry friend, my children, my church family, everyone who loves God is going to be in a resurrection. I buried Ginger that night and went home. Now, some people say, Pastor Mike, how do you know that? So write the verse down, Psalms 36, 6. And it's the Hebrew. The Revised Standard Version gets a literal translation of the Hebrew. God saves man and beast. That's my proof text. If I have to in the judgment, pull my Bible out and say, Lord, where are my animals I love? I'll go to Psalms 36.6. God saves man and beast and they'll materialize. Guaranteed. I buried Ginger that night and I went home. It didn't take long to do it and it was over. What a day. She'll never sit between my legs as I write a sermon ever again. I felt the injustice of the day. 
And then I felt it go away. As I went home and I dwelt on the fact that my life was blessed, that this little cat had made an imprint in my life, and for that I am grateful. I am glad that God is righteous. I am not. That evening I settled down in my easy chair to relish the good memory of a sweet little cat who had purred her way into my life just a little bit and maybe more. Friends, we have so much to be thankful for in our hectic lives. It's the little things that bless us, not the big ones that we think that matter most. It's the little things, the little acts of kindness, the little love that we get here and there, and the blessings that we sometimes don't even recognize. We don't realize this fact sometimes until we lose those little blessings that were really huge blessings in our life. Hold your family tight this Thanksgiving. Hold them tight. Cherish your pets. And get your mind off yourself, your struggles, whatever's happened to you, the injustices of your life. Let that stuff go. Thank God who is worthy to be praised for your family, for you, for your livelihood, for your life, and for your many blessings that he has given to you in this good life where you get up every morning, you go out, and there's a sun with joy greeting you. If that sun was too close, it would fry you. If it was too far, we would freeze. The love of God makes the sun come out just right every day for you and me. Alan Cohen is right. Appreciation is the highest form of prayer, for it acknowledges the presence of good wherever you shine the light of your thankful thoughts. Thank God with a grateful heart. Thank God. Thank God. Indeed. Thank God. He is risen. Happy Easter from everyone here at Reaching Your Heart. We do appreciate you listening. Remember, you can find this broadcast online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Enjoy your Easter, and we'll talk to you again next time. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. 